So just like a person for their physical sicknesses and you need a doctor, you need a physical doctor, you need an MD. Similarly for your spiritual sicknesses, you need a spiritual doctor. And any alim or any person who studied is not sufficient. Just like any doctor can do heart surgery. So I say, well, just you know, just go and sit in the company of any alim. Just go in the company, sit in the company of anyone. It's not, it's not going to benefit. Just like if you go to a regular doctor, the doctor might give you, you know, the necessary prescription that you need. But he said, I'm sorry, but heart surgery, that's not, I, I can't do that. You need a specialist for that. So the Ahlullah, the Mashaykh, these are the specialists of the heart. And some people might say, where is this from the Quran and Sunnah? Where is this type of stuff, Islam and Tazkiyah and Suluk and Tasawwuf and so on and so forth? Where does this come from? So one of the earliest books written on the topic was Kitab al-Lumah of Sirajuddin uh, At-Tusi. And he writes in this book, Al-Lumah, Fit Tasawwuf, he says that there is a hadith called Hadith Jibreel. And in Hadith Jibreel, there's, a, there's the incident of a person coming in the majlis of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam and he asked about three things. He asks about three things. He asks about Iman, he asks about Islam, and he asks about Ihsan, three things. So he said, this person who's asking, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, Al-Iman an ta'budullah, Al-Iman an tashhad Allah ilaha illallah wa anna Muhammad rasulullah tuqeem as-salat tu'tiya zakat wa tasumar. So he's telling him that Iman means that you believe in Allah in the last day and the angels and the books and the prophets and so on and that you believe everything good and bad is from Allah Ta'ala, this is Iman. So that person said, Sadaqta, you're right. The second, he asked, Man Islam, what is Islam? So when he asked, what is Islam? He said, Islam is that you bear witness that there's no one worthy of worship but Allah and that you pray five times a day and that you fast in the month of Ramadan and that you give zakat if you're liable to give zakat and you do hajj if you have the financial ability to do hajj. He said, yes, you're right. This is Islam. And then he came to the third category. The third category is, right? Mal ihsan. <coughs> ihsan, what is ihsan? So then he says, Al ihsan wa Allah ka annaka tarah fa in lam takun tarah fa innahu yarak. Ihsan is that you worship Allah as if you see Him. And if you cannot attain that maqam that you are seeing Allah, then you should at least know that Allah is seeing you. So Shaykh, uh, Shaykh Tusi, rahmatullahi in his Kitab al-Lum'ah, he says, here the Prophet mentions three things. He mentions Iman, he mentions Islam, and he mentions Ihsan. So from this we understand that there's three departments in deen. Any one of them cannot be separated from the other. If you take away Ihsan, and then in the end, right, in the end of the hadith, before I forget, in the end of the hadith, Umar, the Prophet asked Umar, and Umar is the rawi of the hadith. The Prophet asked Umar, Ya Umar, atadri man is sa'in? Oh Umar, do you know who was the person who was questioning? He said, Allahu wa rasuluhu a'lam. Qala fa'innahu Jibreel. He was Jibreel. Ata'kum yu'allimukum deenakum. He came to ask you of your deen. So from this we understand, these three things that were discussed, Iman, Islam, Ihsan, all three of these make up deen. All three of these things together, they make up the deen. If you take out one, any one of these things, then your deen is naqis. You either have one third, or two thirds, or all. Ma, sit here.
So you either have one third, for example, a person who only he only believes. He says, I am, I am a Muslim, I don't pray, I don't give zakat, I don't go for hajj, but I believe in Allah and Rasul. Then your deen is naqis. You're only one-third a Muslim. Two-thirds of his, your Islam is missing. There's another person, right? We haven't started yet. We just, we're discussing what this majlis is about. There's a very, mashallah, beloved person to me. Maulana Fahad, he's here. Mashallah, he usually lives in Alameda. Fahad, raise your hand. Maulana Fahad, I, I, we, go, we go way back. We go way back from the time he didn't even have a hair on his chinny chin chin. From that zamana. And we were in Binuria together. When I see him, I remember old times. But we, we were in uh, third, fourth year, he was doing hymns. And mashallah, he's on his way to become Alim of Deen. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it such. But he's, he's come after uh, a very long time and he's visiting home. So I just, the first time he came to Majlis, so I wanted to introduce the Majlis, what this whole Majlis is about to him. And uh, so these three things, Iman, Islam, Ihsan, when there's any aspect of one of these three that's missing, your deen is naqas. Because the Prophet ﷺ said to Jibreel, the Prophet ﷺ said about Jibreel's questions, that Jibreel came to teach you about the deen. So part of the deen was what? Ihsan. Everybody knows about Iman. Every Muslim knows about Iman. Isn't it? Every Muslim knows about Islam. That you, five pillars of Islam. Everybody knows about belief in Allah, belief in angels, belief in prophets, belief in books, belief in Qadr, right? Everybody believes in that. Everybody knows that. But there's one aspect which a lot of people are ghafil of. A lot of people are unmindful. A lot of people don't even consider it to be a part of deen. And that is al-ihsan. Call it what you want to call it. Some people call it tasawwuf. Some people call it tazkiyah. Some people call it suluk. Some people call it as the hadith has called it. What does the hadith call it? The hadith calls it ihsan. And that is why Maulana Abu Hassan Ali Nadwi rahmatullahi he calls it, he calls it tasawwuf suluk ya tazkiyah wa ihsan. He has a book, Maulana Abu Hassan Ali Nadwi. And in it he's discussing this very topic that people have a big issue with this. So he says, tasawwuf wa suluk ya tazkiyah wa ihsan. Yani either one that you call it, it's not, the name is not important. The game is important. It's not about the name, it's about the game. Now there are certain people that they claim that, for example, I'm a Sufi. And what are they doing? They're dancing. They're breakdancing. They're putting knives to their, to their throats and they're putting, you know, uh, uh, swallowing fire and blowing out fire and, you know, ajib types of things they're doing and they call themselves Sufi. So then, what do the people do? Some people have said, oh, tasawwuf bid'ah, tasawwuf shirk, tasawwuf haram, tasawwuf kufr. So now let me ask you a question. If people are writing mawdu hadith, fake hadith, fabricated hadith, people do that, right? They give the bad name to hadith, fake hadith, fabricated hadith. Is it true or false that there's fake hadith? So what should we say? Hadith haram, hadith bid'ah, hadith kufr. Can we do that? Or somebody, he does what? Somebody is doing jihad, but he's blowing himself up. Killing innocent women and children. So he said, no jihad. Jihad is kufr. Jihad is shirk. Jihad is bid'ah. Hmm? Or there's a Muslim, he's cheating people. There's a Muslim who is lying to people. There's a Muslim who is, so he said, Islam bid'ah. Islam haram. Islam is kufr. So just because a Muslim is doing something bad, doesn't mean all of Islam is bad. So this is that mentality, which is a very ignorant mentality. Just because one aspect of the deen, 
in one aspect of the deen, there might be certain people that are representing that aspect wrong, doesn't mean that that whole shawbah is wrong. Are you always understanding that? Just because there are certain people that are defaming, and there are certain people that are giving badnav, making a bad name to a specific aspect, doesn't mean that you completely now annihilate that, that complete department of deen. Similarly, at Tazkiyah, this is hadith of Bukhari. Narrated by Umar ibn Khattab. Nobody can deny it. Al-Ihsan. Tarahu. Where do you get that from? And this is where Shaykh Siraj al-Tusi in his book, Kitab al-Lum'ah fi tasawwuf which is the first book of Tasawwuf ever written in Tariqh. He says that just like we have these three departments, Iman, Islam, Ihsan. He said the ulama of Iman are who? The ulama of Iman. They are the mutakallimun, the theologians. The mutakallimun, like Abu al-Hasan al-Ash'ari, Abu Mansur al-Maturidi, the people who discuss Iman, the people who discuss Amantu Billahi, the Zat and the Sifat of Allah. وَمَلَائِكَتِي وَكُتُبِي وَرُسُلِي وَالْيَوْمِ الْآخِرِ وَالْقَدْرِ خَيْرِي وَشَرِّي مِنَ اللَّهِ تَعَالَى That stuff. These are called the theologians who made rad against the Mu'tazila, who made rad against the Qadariya and the Jabariya. Who are these people? They are the mutakallimun. They are the, 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 the scholars of ilmul kalam. This is a tabaqa that dedicate themselves to the study of what? To the study of iman and aqidah. Just like Imam Abu Hanifa. Imam Abu Hanifa, rahmatullahi he wrote, I mean, he compiled, he codified fiqh. Imam Shafi'i, rahmatullahi said, that all of the ulama and the entire ummah is dependent upon Abu Hanifa when it comes to fiqh. Why? Because he codified fiqh. If we look at the Sunan of Abu Dawood, the Sunan of Imam, the Jami of Imam Tirmizi, and all these books, they go be abwab al fiqh. First start with Kitab al Taharat, then with Kitab al Salat, then with then, then, then. Who's the one that established that? It was Imam Abu Hanifa. He was the first one who codified fiqh. So there is the external fiqh and the internal fiqh. So we were talking about the theologians, they're the, they're the scholars of Iman. And then you have Islam. Who are the scholars of Islam who discuss Taharat, Salat, Zakat, Hajj, Saum, and they explain the Masail? Who are they? The Fuqaha. So the, the, the scholars of Iman. They are the mutakallimun, the theologians. The scholars of Islam who discuss the masail of salat, of zakat, of hajj, of saum, right? Who are they? Fuqaha, the jurists. So now, there's one more tabaqa left. What's the third tabaqa? What's the third department? Huh? Ihsan. So now, if the mutakallimun, they're the scholars of iman, the fuqaha, there's the scholars of Islam. So, who are the scholars of Islam? There has to be. Just like there's fuqaha. Just like there's mutakallimun. So, there has to be a tabaqa. Subhanallah. The way that Shaykh Siraj al-Tusi, he explains, I've not read it in any kitab. And it clarified the doubt. Completely. That they, the, 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 the uh, Ahl tasawwuf the Sufiya, they were actually a tabaq of ulama that would just focus on the fiqh of the heart. Ajib. Subhanallah.
Very, very ajeeb. The way he explained it, he brings the Hadith of Jibreel, and after Hadith of Jibreel, he mentions each tabaqa and who are the scholars of each tabaqa, and then he says, ask the question, where are the scholars of Ihsan? These are the Sufiya. These are people like Imam Junaid, Baghdadi, rahmatullahi. Right? These are the people like Ibrahim ibn Adham, rahmatullahi. These are the people like Ma'roof al-Karhi, rahmatullahi. These are people like Sirri Sakati, rahmatullahi. These are the people uh, like uh, uh, Zunnun Misri, rahmatullahi. These people were known. These people were known. Bishr al-Hafi. Bishr al-Hafi, Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal, when he would see him, he would stand up for him. Halanka, there's a hadith that mentioned you should not be standing up for people when you see them. But out of az- az- azamat and izzat and respect and ihtiram, Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal, Imam of, 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 uh, of the Hanabila, who was a great, great muhaddith. He said he had memorized million, a million hadith. Imam Ahmad had memorized a million hadith. He used to stand up for who? Bishr al-Hafi. What is the meaning of Hafi? Barefoot. Nanga. Nanga pair. This guy, Nanga pair guy, Poiluch. Hafi means Poiluch. This Poiluch guy, Nanga pair Admi, who is standing for him? Ahmad ibn Hanbal is standing for him. Why? Because he was a, he was a scholar of the tabaqa. The, 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 the ulama of the hadith, they say, Bishr al-Hafi, kana indahu riwayatu fil hadith. Kana min ahlil hadith, walakin taraka riwayah. He was actually a scholar of hadith, but because of shuhrat, he left narrating hadith. He said, I don't want to involve myself because there's too much jarh in this. Why do I need to involve myself in the jarh? Jarh means like, you know, criticism. Oh, hada kadhab, hada dajjal, hada akhzab min fir'aun. You know, you have to do all of these types. You have to do these types of things in the criticism of hadith. This person's a liar. This person's a, uh, you know, uh, worse than fir'aun, you know. In these type of things, you know, you hear and sometimes in the narrations and criticism of hadith. So Bishr al-Hafi said, I don't want to be involved in people's uh, honor and idh. So there is there certain majalis that are dedicated just with islah, just for the rectification of the heart. So we read from the kitab of our akabir, Hazrat Mawlana Hakimul Ummat Mujaddudul Millat Mawlana Ashraf Ali Sahab Tanwi Rahmatullahi he mentioned something very beautiful and we're reading his book called Hukuq al-Ibad. Actually, the book is called Hukuq al-Islam. And in this book, Hakim al-Ummat, he is explaining that there's two haqs that a person has in this dunya. Haqq of Allah upon you and the haqq of the slaves upon you. If you do not fulfill there are certain people that they understand. MashaAllah, they're going for Hajj. MashaAllah, they're giving Zakat. MashaAllah, there's five times Namazi. So then along with that, what do they do? MashaAllah, they're cheating people. MashaAllah, they're lying to people. MashaAllah, they're pulling a fast one on people. And we shouldn't say MashaAllah. Astaghfirullah. And they're doing all types of lie and all types of cheating and all types of dhokebazi and all that type of stuff. And they're five times Namazi. They go for Hajj every single year. But when it comes to the rights of the slaves of Allah, they're completely unmindful. They're completely ghafil. They're completely jahil. Or there's a person, mashallah, he is studying to become mufti, but he's not respecting his mother and father. What happened? Or there's a person, mashallah, he's a hafiz of Quran. All night he's standing in, uh, uh, in ibadat. And all day, every day is fasting. But he is not, he is uh, uh, abusing his wife and children. He's abusing his wife and children. 
Or there's a person, mashallah, haji sab. And what does he do? He's involved in interest. He owns a liquor store. And every year with his liquor store money, he's going for hajj. And he's sending Imam Sahib also for hajj. He comes to Imam Sahib, he says, Mashallah, I have this gift for you. Imam Sahib is so happy, he doesn't even know that it's all from right, Hennessy and beer and uh, selling all these other types of garbage. So this is something that we learn from mu'amalat. One thing is ibadat. Another aspect is mu'amalat. And mu'amalat is a very, very important thing. As we mentioned the hadith of Sahih Muslim last week, is that there will be people on the Day of Judgment, they will come with mountains of deeds. They will come with mountains of deeds before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then that person will be very proud of himself that I'm definitely going to Jannah now. But then what will happen? So he will come and he had eaten the wealth of this person and he had cursed this person and he had spelt, spilt the blood of this person and he had killed this person and he had wronged this person and he had cheated this person. So then what happens? Every single one of those people that he cheated, they will come to him on the Day of Judgment and they will come before Allah in the court of Allah and they will say, Oh Allah, this person cheated me. This person lied to me. This person stole from me. This person owed me money. He never paid me my money back. Ya Allah, he owed me $100. No more dollars. He owed me $1,000. No more $1,000. The currency of the Akhirah is not dollars and pounds or euros or rupees or rials. There's that, the currency of the Akhirah is hasanat. You know like when you go to uh, Karachi and you have to exchange your money. I don't know. I think they take dollars now. I think everywhere you go, then they, they, they deal with dollars. But usually in most places you go, you go to currency exchange. You give, your, you give your money, your dollars, and then they give you the currency exchange. You get rupees or rials back. Right? So Akhirah, the currency of Akhirah is not rupees, it's not rials, it's not euros, it's not dollars. The currency of the Akhirah is hasanat. You know what is hasanat? Good deeds. And you earn that money here. And you spend that money there. Come inside. Come inside. There's plenty of room. Move. Move a little bit. Move inside. Elias, go all the way in. Sit next to Ahmad. Ahmad, raise your hand. Majlis starts 9.15. Please be prompt. Okay? So, every single person will then come and say, Ya Allah, He took my wealth. Ya Allah, He cursed me. Ya Allah, He put me down. He, uh, uh, you know, disrespected me. He uh, uh, accused me. This, this, this. And then what will Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then say? He said, okay, now take from His hasanat. He said, it owes me $100. Okay, take 100 salats. He said, it owes me $1,000. Take 1,000 rosas. He owes me, take, take, take from his hasanat. Until that mountain of hasanat, it's all gone. And then what is he left with? He's left with nothing. And people still are coming and accusing. People still are coming and claiming. So then what would Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? Allah ta'ala will say, now he has nothing left. Take your sins and put it on his back. And then the people will take their sins and lighten their load. At least if you're not getting something, you can at least lighten your load. Then they take their, their, their sins and their sayyat. No hasanat. So they take their sayyat and they put it on this man. 
this man who was wali of Allah with his amal. With his amal, he was wali of Allah. He was carrying mountains of good deeds. Now they take all of the sayyat and they're putting it on his back. And he's thrown headlong into the fire. That person that had so much to hope for. What does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? In last ruku of Surah Kahf. That... Uh, That uh, should I not tell you of those that are worst? قل هل أنبئكم بالأخسرين أعمالا قل هل أنبئكم بالأخسرين أعمالا الذين ضل سعيهم في الحياة الدنيا وهم يحسبون أنهم يحسنون صنعا عجيب قل أنبئكم بالأخسرين أعمالا Should I tell you the one who is the most loser in his amal? Those people that lost all their efforts that they made in this life. And they will be thinking that we did a very, very good thing. They'll be thinking we did such a great job. And this will be the people. There's very th- the facet of this. But to me, I have understood that this ayat or the mutlaq, the itlaq of this ayat can also fall upon those people that they used to do a lot of worship, thinking that they're doing good, but they used to not fulfill the حقوق al-ibad. All the effort that they made in this life will be gone from them. And they think that we're doing something very, very good in this world. We have something to hope for. But because they did not fulfill the rights of their parents, they did not fulfill the rights of their brothers and sisters. They did not fulfill the rights of their wife and children. They did not fulfill the rights of their husband. They did not fulfill the rights of their uh, siblings. They did not fulfill the rights of their relatives. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make their a'mal become, they will be aqsarina a'mala. They will be worse in regards to the a'mal that they were doing. So, respected brothers and sisters, we have to understand that it's very, very important for us that just like we are earning good deeds, we should be preserving our good deeds also. There's a usul in fiqh. There's a usul in fiqh. Daf'ul madarrati awla min jalbil manfa'ati. Daf'ul madarra awla min jalbil manfa'a. Learn this usul. What is it? Daf'ul madarra awla min jalbil manfa'a. That uh, 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 guarding yourself from harm is more important than earning benefit. Guarding yourself from harm is more important than gaining benefit. For example, you have boxes of goods and in a, in a, you're traveling in the water. You're traveling in the sea. And what do you have? You have boxes of goods, boxes of furniture, or boxes of a lot of, uh, 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 you know, Expensive things. And what happens? Now the ship is getting heavy and you're in a storm. And the, the ship is about to sink. And they say, what do we have to do? He said, you have to lighten the load. So what are you going to do? Say, no, 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 no. I want my beloved uh, 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 goods. I want my goods. What are you going to do? To save your life, you're going to throw everything overboard. Isn't it? Why? Because daful madarrati awla min jalbil manfa'ah. Guarding yourself from harm is better than gaining benefit. Your life is more important than that, isn't it? So for you to preserve your life is much more important to get that benefit. So what if you're going to drown with all your goods? You lost your life. Where are you going to benefit from the goods? You understand what I'm saying? Or you get a million dollars, you don't have a safe to keep your million dollars. 
So what's the use? You gain a million dollars, somebody comes and robs you, it's over. So guarding that, guarding a hundred dollars is better than having a million dollars and then losing it. So from this we understand that the حقوق ibad, حقوق ibad means preserving your amal, not letting your amal get wasted because you're not fulfilling the حقوق of others. Because of this hadith of Sahih Muslim proves that on the day of judgment, people will be losing their amal because of what? People will be losing their amal because of not fulfilling the rights of their relatives, the rights of their parents, the rights of the, uh, other people, and wronging other people, zulm on other people. That is why the Prophet ﷺ said, "Azulmu zulumatun yawm al qiyama." Azulmu zulumatun yawm al qiyama. Zulm will be darkness on the day of judgment. And there's an ajib tafsir of this. Because light, what is light? There's a verse in the Quran. يَوْمَ تَرَى الْمُؤْمِنِينَ وَالْمُؤْمِنَاتِ يَسْعَى نُورُهُمْ بَيْنَ أَيْدِيهِمْ وَبِأَيْمَانِهِمْ بُشْرَاكُمُ الْيَوْمَ جَنَّاتِ Allah Ta'ala says, يَوْمَ تَرَى الْمُؤْمِنِينَ وَالْمُؤْمِنَاتِ يَسْعَى نُورُهُمْ بَيْنَ أَيْدِيهِمْ وَبِأَيْمَانِهِمْ so Ibn Kathir says that the nur here that you will see on the day of judgment, the believers, their nur will be in front of them or on the right sides. <coughs> their nur will be in front of them on the right sides. Ibn Kathir says that the nur will be in accordance with your amal that you used to do in this world. He said some people, their nur will be like this much. Like a, like, like a little, like a little uh, match. You light a match. Their nur will be like this much. Some people's nur will be from the, from the, uh, the earth all the way to the heavens. مَنْ قَرَى سُورَةَ الْكَهْفِ يَوْمَ الْجُمُعَةِ أَضَاءَ لَهُ نُورٌ مَا بَيْنَ السَّمَاءِ وَالْأَرْضِ Where is that nur? يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ The person who reads Surah Kahf on the day of Jummah, Allah will give him a nur from the heavens to the, from the earth to the heavens. He will see that on the day of judgment. This is what Allah Ta'ala is referring to in this ayat. يَوْمَ تَرَى الْمُؤْمِنِينَ وَالْمُؤْمِنَاتِ يَسْعَى نُورُهُمْ بَيْنَ أَيْدِيهِمْ وَبِأَيْمَانِهِمْ And then Allah Ta'ala talks about munafiqeen. Yani the fake Muslims. Munafiqeen yani fake. Allah Ta'ala says, يَوْمَ تَرَى يَوْمَ يَقُولُ الْمُنَافِقُونَ وَالْمُنَافِقَاتُ لِلَّذِينَ آمَنُوا أُنْظُرُونَ نَقْتَبِسْ مِن نُورِكُمْ يَوْمَ يَقُولُ الْمُنَافِقُونَ وَالْمُنَافِقَاتِ لِلَّذِينَ آمَنُوا Right? أُنْظُرُونَ Look at us. The fakers will say, Oh believers, please, look at our direction. Hey, I'm over here. I'm over here. Just look at me. أُنْظُرُونَ نَقْتَبِسْ مِن نُورِكُمْ Let us take something from your nur also. Please, can you give us some nur? قِيلَ ارْجِعُوا وَرَاءَكُمْ فَالْتَمِسُوا نُورًا Allah will make a joke out of them. Imagine how much Allah will disgrace them. How much Allah will degrade them. Allah Ta'ala will say, Oh, just go over there, right there. Take some nur from over there. And as soon as they go, Allah Ta'ala will drop a wall that will separate them from the believers, that on this side, the believers will be in Allah's mercy. And on the other side, these munafiqeen, they will be in the azab of Allah Ta'ala. In just utter darkness. So from this we understand that when the Prophet ﷺ said that, that zulm 
oppression, oppressing somebody, oppressing an animal, oppressing a human being, oppressing your parents, oppressing your children, oppressing your husband, oppressing your wife. What is it? It will be darkness, meaning you will have no amal. That amal, that, that zulm will deprive you of amal, leave you in darkness on the day of judgment. And the amal and the hasanat that you gain in this life will be a nur for you yawm al-qiyamah. So never be involved in zulm. Because zulm, what it does, it sucks all of the, all of the nur of your good deeds. It sucks away and it takes away all of the amal. So you make a lot of effort to do good deeds, but we should guard ourselves from losing our good deeds. That is why my Shaykh, Hazrat Maulana Shah Hakim Muhammad Akhtar Sahib, Rahmatullahi Alayhi, he told us such a beautiful thing. He says that, Maulana Jalaluddin Rumi, Rahmatullahi I learned the Masnawi from my beloved Shaykh, Maulana Jalaluddin Rumi, Rahmatullahi My Shaykh, Hazrat Bala, Rahmatullahi he's also Maulana Jalaluddin Rumi. He was a living Maulana Rumi. His bayan was like Maulana Rumi's uh, uh, Masnawi. Maulana Rumi's Mastawi, when you study it, he doesn't stay on one topic. He talks about one thing, then he jumps to another, then he goes to another, then he goes to another, when you study the Mastawi. And I realized, after studying the Mastawi, and then you listen to Hazrat, you realize that Hazrat's mizaj was same as Maulana Rumi, rahmatullahi. it was insp- inspirational. He used to speak out of the inspiration. He wouldn't speak from like preparing for a bayan or something. So Hazrat told us that Maulana Rumi, rahmatullahi, said to protect your good deeds. How do you protect your good deeds? Maulana Rumi, rahmatullahi, he said, he says that awalay jan daf'i sharri mushkun ba'da za ambar gandum kushkun awalay jan daf'i sharri mushkun ba'da za ambar gandum kushkun mush dar ambar ma hufra zadast and he says that oh my beloved first you should make an effort right to preserve your deeds come inside who's there i want to come inside make room make room Sit close, close together. Sit in the tashahud position. And don't move from the tashahud position for another hour. So there'll be more room. No, sit at whatever way you like to sit. Don't worry. So, first you should guard yourself from the sharremush, from the harms of the rat. And what does that mean? He says that it, the example of doing good deeds is like the example of a farmer who works all day cutting the wheat. And then he brings the wheat and he piles it inside the barn. And he has wheat stacked up almost taller than him. And then what happens? He goes to sleep at night and he thinks that, oh, subhanAllah, I'm going to go in the marketplace and I'm going to sell all this wheat and I'm going to become rich. So what happens? The the mouse, it burrows under the barn. Because there's little, little holes. Inside the barn, there's small, small holes. So the mouse, it burrows under, and it takes all the wheat, and it goes. Whole night, whole army of mice, they come, and they finish up all the wheat, and there's nothing left. In the morning, when the farmer wakes up to go take all of his wheat to the market, he notices that everything is gone. Oh, then he becomes so sad, and he becomes so despondent that I made all of this effort and I toiled all day long and what am I left with? I'm left with nothing. So Maulana says, Oh my beloved, first you should guard yourself from the mush. Who's mush? Nafsu shaitan. That makes you, right? Lose your amal. You're, gang, you're, you're, you're gaining all, you're making tilawat. But the whole of, of your eyes is open. Doing bad nazari. 
right? Doing bad nazari, looking at things you're not supposed to look, going on uh, porn pornographic websites, going on a, and all the amal that you're doing is now leaking out. That mush, that hole. This is the hole. All your amal is coming out, or from your tongue, saying things and making ribat of people. Right? The, 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 the mouse is coming and taking all your amal from there. Or through the ear, listening to music, listening to things that's not appropriate. Shaitan is taking away your amal from there. Or from doing zulm upon your parents, doing zulm upon your uh, wife and kids, doing zulm upon your, upon your husband, whatever the case may be. Through that, all of your amal is getting wasted. So what happens? You're exactly like that farmer that's toiling all day long, making tilawat, studying deen, and uh, uh, making dhikr, and fasting, and praying tahajjud. But what's happening? You're not guarding yourself from all the holes where you're losing. <coughs> so what's the, what's the uh, moral of the story? Moral of the story is, Hukuk al-ibad is just as necessary as hukuk Allah. Hukuk al-ibad is just as necessary as hukuk Allah. But in actuality, hukuk al-ibad at times can be muqaddam ala hukuk Allah. Understand this very carefully. The haq of the slaves sometimes becomes muqaddam to the haq of Allah. I'm going to say this again. Sometimes the haq of the slaves of Allah becomes more priority than the haq of Allah. How can that be? Can you say that the haq of slaves is more muqaddam than the haq of Allah? I'll give you examples in fiqh. A person is performing salat. Right? And there is a blind man who is about to fall inside a well. Mufti Sahib, what's the hukum? It's mustahab to break. Is it mustahab? It's wajib. It's not mustahab to break your salat and go and save the blind man. It's not mustahab. It's not. It's wajib that you break your namaz. You leave the haq of Allah and you go to fulfill the haq of the slaves of Allah. Allah said it's wajib. You have to leave that namaz. If you don't leave, you're sinning. Another example. Another example is that you're performing namaz and your train is about to go. I'll give you an example. Your train is about to go. Or your luggage is there. And if you're going to, somebody comes and takes your luggage away. You're, you're, you're praying namaz, you're in the airport, and somebody comes and, you know, you may, you may be in your Karachi airport, and somebody comes and tries to, you know, take your luggage. What is it? You don't know? It's wajib. You have to leave your namaz. For something that's three three dirhams or more. For something the cost of which is three dirhams or more. Can you believe that? Allah Ta'ala has given hukum that I don't want your mal to be wasted. Allah Ta'ala has made very detestable for you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala hates that you should waste wealth. Another example from the books of fiqh. You bury the dead person, but your money is left inside the grave. And you put the dust on top of the person. Shariat allows you to take out the uh, dust of the grave again and take your money from the grave. 
This isn't fiqh. I, I'm burying somebody. My wallet, right? And my card, they fall inside the thing and I never knew. And I buried the guy inside. And my wallet also fell in there. He said, if there's no difficulty, it's, it's, it, it will be permissible for you that you can take out the, you can take out the uh, dust of the grave and take out your money. All for what? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given into consideration. consideration. Allah has taken into consideration our huquq. Allah has taken into consideration our wealth, our money, our haqq. A person is looking after a sick person. Salatul Jamaat is not wajib on that individual. You're looking after a sick person. Salatul Jamaat is not wajib upon that individual who is taking care of a sick person. Look at this deen. And what do we do? When, as soon as we, become, uh, we start practicing deen, we start leaving everybody. We start disrespecting our parents. And look at what this, this says, that Salat with Jamaat is not even binding on that person that has to look after a sick person. How can, how can studying overseas be binding on you? You know some people, their mother and father is sick, they're old, and they're mashallah becoming Mufti Saab and Qazi Azam. They're becoming Imam Azam Sani. Imam Azam part 2. There was Imam Muhanifa, next is Hidis Hazrat. And his mother is sick, or his father is sick, or she's in the hospital. I'm giving an example. This, there have been many situations like this. And mashallah, Hazrat Ji is going to become, right? Qazi, Qazi Saab. And his mother is dying here? Or Hazrat Ji is in four months. Hazrat Ji, four months. And why his wife is about to give birth? And Hazrat Ji is out in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? What path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? What if your wife doesn't have anybody to take care of her? So fulfillment of hukuk is something which is extremely important. Fulfillment of hukuk is something extremely, extremely important. Ibn al-Hafi was a Sufi sheikh and he had gotten you know, very, very high maqam but Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal made one comment about him. He said he gained very high maqam, but he did not reach a very, very... He did not reach that level he could have reached. So they said, Sheikh, how can you say that? Why? How? He said he did not get married and he didn't have children. They said, what? Yes. He said he remained unmarried. He remained single till the end of his life and he died unmarried. Bishr al-Hafi. So he said, Imam Sab, we don't understand. He said, he was a very great man. But the maqam he would have reached if he had wife and kids would have been much, much higher. So he said, Hazrat, explain how? He said, Wallahi, when the children are at the feet of the father or mother and they're crying, they give me food and that stress and that pain and that gham that the father goes through and the fikr that the father goes through, the ajr that a person gets through that is not in comparison to the ajr of tahajjud and namaz and all these other things. That gham. That fikr, that stress, that worry that you go through when you're raising your kids and for the sake of Allah putting a luqba inside of their mouth that is greater than the gham and fikr and worry of tahajjud. So hukuq al-ibad is something very, very great. And that's why we're reading this kitab 
which Hakimul Ummat Rahmatullahi authored. The actual book was called Hakikatul Islam by Qazi Sanaullah Fani Fatti. The original book was called Hakikatul Islam by Qazi Sanaullah Fani Fatti. He was considered Bayhaqiya Waqt. Very great Sheikh. And he wrote Tafsir Mazhari. And he named the Tafsir after his Sheikh, Mirza Mazhar Jani Janan. He named his Tafsir not after himself. Now, when a person writes a book, he will name the Tafsir after himself. Tafsir Tamimi, and Tafsir Ahmadi, and Tafsir Jilani, and Tafsir Jabiri, and whatever, whatever. But people at that zamana, Imdadul Fatawa. What's Imdadul Fatawa? He didn't say Ashraful Fatawa. Hakimul Ummat, when he wrote the, his Fatwa book, what did he call it? He didn't call it Ashraful Fatawa. He called it Imdadul Fatawa. After his Sheikh, this is how much they would make nisbat of their knowledge. This is how much they would make nisbat. And they would connect their knowledge with the source. They would never attribute anything to themselves. It's all this, all this khayr and barakat, it's all because of my shaykh. So tafsir mazhari, Qazi Sana'ullah Panipati, he should call it tafsir Panipati. Wouldn't have sounded so great, but tafsir mazhari sounds better. And he named it after his shaykh. So he wrote a book, Hakikatul Islam. And that book has all the Hukukul Ibad written inside. So Hazrat Hakim al said, I found everything appropriate there, and all I did was I made it more mukhtasar, and I made it more abridged, and more concise, and I, I, uh, I added a little bit more to it. So we've reached Dud Pilani Wali, Anna ki Hukuk. Anna bi Dud Pilani ki misil ma Right, this is talking about the foster mother, the mother that gives you milk. Murdia. The mother that gives you milk. So you have a mother that's your biological mother. But then you have a mother who gave you milk. So Hakim Ulumat Rahmatullah says, Anna wajadud That because that woman has given you milk, she also has the haq of a mother on you. Uske bi her haq has also been mentioned and these are the hukuk that she has. Number one, uske saat adabu hurmat se pesh ana. That you come to her and you treat her with respect and with great sanctity. Number two, agar usko mali hajat ho aur khud ko wusat ho to usse dareg na karna. That if you have some financial status and she needs money, then you should not hold back. You should not hold back. You should not turn away from financially helping her. Number three. If it's in your capacity, if you cannot make khidmat for her, find a maid or hire a servant or a maid that will take care of her. Hire a servant or a maid that will take care of her. Number four. Uska shawhar chunke uska makhdoom hai aur ye uski makhdooma hai to uske shawhar ko makhdoom ul makhdoom samajkar uske saath bhi ehsan karna subhanallah now what about the husband of this woman the husband of the woman who gives you milk is not your father really so what should you do in reality that husband is making khidmat of this woman taking care of this woman giving kharcha for this woman uh, keeping this woman well, giving uh, allowance for this woman, giving shelter to this woman, so you should respect her husband because she's taking care of your mother, your foster mother.
and you should do kindness to him also. I say, I don't know the guy, who is he? Get rid of him, so on and so forth. So, the right of the stepmother. The right of the stepmother. So, the stepmother, because she is the partner of your father. The stepmother, she's the partner of your mother, of your father. Or Babke Dost Kesad Ehsan Karnaka Hukum Ayahe. Sharia tells us that anyone who is the friend of your father, you should show ikram to that person and you should show izzat and respect to that person. So if that's the case, Isliye, Soteli Ma Kabi Kuch Hukuk He Ma Babke Intakal Ke Bad. So therefore, the stepmother, because of that, that she has a relationship with your father, she also deserves some rights. After your father passes away. Or jo maabab ke intakal ke baad unke tahat jo zikr hua wo kafi hai. And the things that we mentioned about after we are father and mother passing away, what you're supposed to do, those rules we mentioned it last week. You remember that when your father passed away, how you're supposed to treat your father's friends? So the same rules applies to her. Next is the rights of brothers and sisters. What is the right and the haq of your brothers and sisters? Hadith mein hai ke bada bai misil baab ke hai. The hadith says that your older brother is like your father. Usse lazim aya ke chota bai misil aulad ke hai. And from this we understand that the younger brother is like your children. Because if the older brother is like father, then the father has to treat the younger brother like his own son. Pas unme bahami hukuk waise hi honge jaise ma bain alwalidain wa aulad ke hai. So therefore, the rights that will be between older brother and younger brother is like the rights between parents and children. How parents treat their kids and how kids will treat their parents. That is the same rights that will go for older brothers and sisters. And similarly, the same analogy should be given to older sister and younger sister. Next, Rishta Daron Ke Hukuk the rights of relatives. Similarly, after mentioning this, there are rights that our other relatives also have. The rights of the relatives in a nutshell is as follows. Number one, maharim agar muhtaj ho or khane kamane ki koi kudrat na rakte ho. Subhanallah. If you have certain mahrams, what are your mahrams? For example, your nephews and nieces, your uncles and aunts. If you are if you have an uncle and an aunt, she's your mahram. If you have nephews and nieces, he and she is your mahram. So if you have any mahrams that need money, then in the sense of kafalat, in the sense of taking care of others, 
to the best of your ability, unke nafaka ki khabargiri misl aulad ki wajib hai. Then taking care of their food and shelter becomes binding on you. Because they're your nephews and nieces. If they're in need, you should be looking after them. I don't care who they are. اور غیر محارم کا نان نفقہ اس طرح تو واجب نہیں لیکن کچھ خدمت کرنا ضروری ہے as for your, those people that are غیر محرم they're not your محارم but you're, they're your family right such as your cousins your cousins are not محرم for you they're a little bit further this is my cousin this is my you know uh, uh, father's brother's daughter this is my father's brother's daughter my, my, my uncle's daughter, for example, she's your cousin. So, she's not your mahram, but you know that she's in need. So therefore also, it is not wajib upon you to take care of her because she should have, she should have other mahrams taking care of her. She has her uncle, she has her, own, she has her own mahrams that should be taken care of. But if she doesn't, then to do some khidmat for them is, you know, would be good. It's not wajib though. Lekin kuch khidmat karna zaruri hai. Kuch khidmat karna zaruri hai. A little bit of khidmat for them would also be necessary. Gah bagah unse milta rahe. Right? The second haq is that once in a while you should meet them. You should meet your relatives. Don't completely cut yourself off from them. Unse qata karabat na kare. You should not cut off and sever ties from your family. Balke agar kisi qadr unse iza bhi ponche to sabar abzal hai. And not only that, but if they give you a little bit of taklif and they give you a little bit of uh, uh, disturbance, even if to a certain extent they disturb you or they hurt you, then still you should have patience and you should not quickly cut off ties from them. Because in the end of the day, they're family. Number four. Agar koi qareeb mahram uski milk mein aajaye, to fauran azad ho jata hai. That anyone who owns a Ziraham Mahram, if for example, um, somebody in a battle got caught by the Romans and he was made into a slave and then he was brought to Arabia where you're staying in Darul Islam and then you see oh man my brothers or my, my, my father or my uncle he's getting sold okay I bought, I bought my uncle or I bought my father as soon as he buys it he becomes free automatically you cannot own any family member automatically they become free that's a fiqhi masala you don't need to go into the details of that Ustaz or peer ke hukuk. The next is the haq of your ustad and the haq of your peer, haq of your sheikh. Ustad or peer chunke ba itibar tarbiyat baatini ke misle baap ke hain. Isliye unki aulad ya akarib se aisa hi maamla karna chahiye jis tarah apne maabap akarib ke saath la asalukum alayhi ajran illa almawadat fil qurba ki ye bhi ek tafsir hai. So Hazrat says that the respect of Ustad and Peer because he's making your tarbiyah tibatini. He's making your internal tarbiyah. Your father makes your external tarbiyah. Your father takes care of your external nurturing. But the Shaykh, he takes care of your internal nurturing. So because there is what? 
there's that nurturing that takes place, then the relationship between Sheikh and Murid and teacher and student is like the relationship between father and son. And this you can also take one uh, tafsir of La As'alukum alayhi ajra illa al mawaddata fil qurba. Isma akam se hazarat saadat kiram ka ikram wa ihtiram bi malum karna chahiye. From this, we also understand that respecting the Sayyids, those people that are Sadat, those people that are Sayyid, those people that are connected to the family of Rasul, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, honoring them and respecting them, the Prophet in the Quran tell them, Ya Muhammad, La as'alukum alayhi ajra. I don't ask of you any ajr, illa except that you at least respect my family. Do I have anything else to ask from you? I'm not asking you any money. I am teaching you and making your tarbiyat batini. I am teaching you wahi. I am teaching you hadith. I am teaching you how to get close to Allah. I don't have any other right from you. I'm not asking you money. Don't should you shouldn't you at least respect me and respect my family? Or chunke shagird murid misl aulad ke hai to apni ustad ka shagird ya apne peer ka murid bamanzilai aulad apne baap ke hua. So similarly. Then the students and the muridin, they will be like children. So the rights of children should also be given to muridin and students. Pas uske hukuk misil bhai ke samjhe Quran Majid mein us sahibi bil jambi jo aya hai usme bhi daakhil hai. Subhanallah. Mazat Thani Rahmatullahi was was ajeeb. Us sahibi bil jamb, right? What is Allah Ta'ala saying? وَصَاحِبِ بِالْجَنْبِ وَابْنِ السَّبِيلِ What is that ayat? Jawaid? So Allah Ta'ala is talking about the hukuk and then from the hukuk He mentions وَصَاحِبِ بِالْجَنْبِ And the person who is Accompanying you, Sahib bil Jam, your friend that's on your side, your companion that's always on your side. Who's your companion on your side? It could be your neighbor. Sahib bil Jam could be neighbor. Sahib bil Jam, you know, bil Jam bil Bait, or because Sahib bil Jam, yani he sleeps next to you in Madrasa. He's your roommate. Sahib bil Jam, or it could be your musafir companion. You're going in safar and he's sitting next to you. I always think about the person that you know when I'm traveling. In the airplane, Sahib will jump. The guy that sits next to you, I mean, 8, 9, 10, 12, 13 hours, he's next to you. At least something of deen you should tell to that person. At least make some ikram of the person. Right? So, the, uh, if, if you have no haq, or Sheikh has no haq, at least that the, the murid, because he's always the jambik. He's always on your side. He has that right upon you. You should at least make a karam of that person. Shagird murid ke hukuk. What are rights of students? What are the rights of murids? Chunke shagird murid ba manzila aulad ke hai. Shafakat dil sozi mein. Unka haq misil haq aulad hai. He says, because the students and the muridin, they are like children to you. Then compassion and being kind-hearted to them is necessary. 
نیکسٹ زوجین کے حقوق زوجین کے حقوق رائٹس آف ہسبینڈ اینڈ وائف حقوق زوجین میں شوہر کے ذمے یہ ہے دا رائٹس آف دا ہسبینڈ آر ایز فالوز نمبر ون اپنی وسط کے موافق اس کے نفقہ میں حقوق کے زوجین میں شوہر کے ذمہ دیز آر دا رائٹس دیٹ دا وائف ہیز اپان دا ہسبینڈ اپنی وسعت کے موافق اس کے نان و نفقہ میں دریغ نہ کرے to the best of your ability you should be giving your wife non nafaqa what's non nafaqa non bread and some some people they take it literally they just give her bread non nafaqa non nafaqa nan yak to tanan meta khalas lega chiz na meta me gaina nan ta dadam non nafaqa that's all i was asked from you zalim don't be conjuice what he choose non nafaqa اپنی وسط کے موافق اس کے نان و نفقہ میں دریغ نہ کرے That's separate thing. And give her her nafaka, spending money, separately. I think it's coming, but Hakeem Ulumat said, Unko kuch jeb kharchi bhe dina chahiye. Now the women are going to hear this, you're going to be in problems. Inna la bishar mushkil mein isha zindagi, babaaz e shawara. Yag jeb kharchi am baayt dashta bashan. And what is this? Apni wasat ke muafiq. Mutabiq ba wasat azu shakhs. مطابق با استطاعت از او شخص نه مطابق با دانالد ترامپ مطابق با وسعت و استطاعت از او نفر The person according to his financial ability according to how much he makes that amount he should be stipulated If he makes right, minimum wage then the nafaka that his wife is going to get is also minimum And if a person is, uh, is rich and he's a, a business owner then it should be in accordance with that Number two ان کو مسائل دینیہ سکھلاتا رہے اور عمل نیک کی تاکید کرتا رہے نمبر ٹو سبحان اللہ دیٹ دا ہسبینڈ شوڈ آلویز بی ٹیچنگ ہز وائف مسائل آف دین اینڈ یو شوڈ آلویز بی انکریجنگ ہر ٹو ڈو گڈ ڈیڈس بٹ وٹ ایف یو ڈونٹ نو یور سیلف ہائی گین بی ٹیچنگ یور وائف سو دس فرام دس وی انڈرسٹینڈ دیٹ اے پرسن شوڈ نو knowledge of deen so you can continuously be teaching your wife good things and encouraging her to do righteous actions number three uske maharim aqarib se gah bagah usko milne de you should let your wife visit her relatives once in a while don't just keep her trapped in the, the, uh, in the house under lock and key uski kam fehmiyo par aksar sabr o sukoot kare and because she might not understand or she acts and does not understand certain things, have sabr and be silent. Don't always beat her up. Have the kamarban ready. Kamchin is hanging from the wall. Right? Any minute, just start throwing a kamchin. So, have sabr on her misunderstandings. Agar ahyanan zarurat ta'adib ki ho, to tawassut ka lihaz rakhe. If once in a while you have to 
reprimand her, then be balanced in your reprimand. Don't go like a crazy psycho. Or Zawja ki zimma ye hukuk hai. The following is the responsibilities of the wife upon the husband. Number one, uski etaat or adab u khidmat u diljoi u reza joi pura tor se, pure tor se, bajalai. She should obey and respect and do khidmat and try to seek the pleasure of her husband and keep him happy to the best of her ability. As far as if the husband is asking to do something, something which is haram, come my, my, my wife and come meet my best friend. Come shake hands with him. I'm sorry, I can't do that. This is something which is unacceptable. So if the, if the husband is going to ask you to do something which is not permissible, then it is not, the wife should not be doing that. Number two. You should not ask your husband more than what he has. If you know that he doesn't have the capability to give you this much money or to buy you a 10-bedroom house or to buy you this type of you know, uh, Lexus or Mercedes car, then don't ask that from your husband because you know the poor guy can't afford it. What do you want him to do? Rob a bank? Number three, you should not waste his wealth unnecessarily. Don't squander the wealth of your husband. If your husband was so kind upon you that he gave you also a joint account that you're also using the account together with him, then don't go on a shopping spree. Be balanced in what you do. Number four, That never ever be the, 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 the wife should not deal with any of the relatives of the husband in a harsh manner, which the husband would be hurt by that. Especially the mother and father, your in-laws. You should treat them as if they are worthy of service. The, 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 the father and mother of your husband, you should treat them as if they are your own father and mother and they are worthy to be taken care of. Those people that come late, we're reading all the rights of husband and wife. Now you get married and now you don't know any of the rights of husband and wife. Miss out. <clears throat> Next. Hakimu mahkum ke hukuk. Hakimu mahkum ke hukuk me hakim me badsha wa naib badsha or aqa wa ghaira. The rights of the, of the governor and the governed. The rights of the authority and those that are under authority. Hazrat says that under Hakim and Mahkum, it's like the rights of the king or the ruler of the land with his citizens or the master with the slave or the boss with his employees or the Authority with a subordinate. All of them fall under this category. Or jaha maliku mamluk ho, wobi dakhal, wobi dakhal ho jayenge. Hakim ke zimme ye hokok hai. Mahkum par dushwar ahkam najari kare. The person who is an authority, these are the rights that he, that, that, that uh, responsibilities he has. He should not be putting such a burden on, the, on his uh, workers 
or on the person that is under him that he cannot bear. The people that are working under him, the citizens that are under him, the people that are under him, he should not be putting such a burden upon them that they cannot bear. Number two, agar baham mahkumin me koi munazat ho jaye, adal ki riayat kare, kisi janab melan na kare. If there's an argument that takes place between two employees, two people that are subordinates, then don't take sides when you're making a decision. Try to be fair and just when making a decision between the two people. Number three. You should be concerned that how can the people under you as an employee, as a king, as a ruler, as a khalifa, as a employer, the people that are under you, how can you keep them at ease and comfort? Not keeping them right in very, very dire and hard conditions that you're making them suffer. Those people that are coming to you, Dadha. What is Dadha? Dadha means those people that are coming to complain. Those people that are coming to have some uh, grievances. So the people that come with certain grievances, you should make an easy way for them to come to you. You should come and see the people. Have the people be able to complain to you, ask you, be able to meet you. Right? Be able to address their grievances and their issues. Don't be a person that you're unreachable, you're untouchable. Agar apni shan mein usse koi kotahi ya khata ho jaye, kasrat se muaf kar diya kare. And if any one of the people that are under you, they happen to disrespect you, they happen to treat you in a way that they not fulfill your rights, then you should... Uh, often overlook. You should often overlook. Don't be such like trying to rule with the iron fist. Subhanallah, these are the haq that how is a person rule? This is ajib. Subhanallah. Is everybody alive? Or mahkum ke zimma ye hai. The rights of the people that are subordinates. The rights of the people that are under. Hakim ki khair khahi or itaat kare. That the person was a hakim, you should wish well for him and you should obey him. Albatta, khilaf shara amr mein itaat nahi. Yes, you should not follow the authority and the leaders when they are telling you to do something which is against the shariat. Agar hakim se koi amr khilaf taba pesh aaye, sabar kare. Shikayat baddua na kare. If the person that is above you, if the person that is an authority above you, and he happens to. Do, if he happens to command you to do something which is extremely difficult for you, now this could be anybody, principal, this could be your employer, this could be a judge, this could be the, your, your ruler, this could be your khalifa, this could be your amir, this could be anybody. So if he happens to uh, mention something difficult upon you, then don't complain. Try to have patience on that. Don't make baddua for that person. Don't curse that person. And don't complain. Albata, uske naram mizaji ke liye dua kare. What dua you should make? That, oh Allah, guide this person, make him soft. Or khud Allah ta'ala ki itaat ka ihtimam karta ke Allah ta'ala 
حکام کے دل کو نرم کر دے And the person himself, he should also be in complete obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why? Because as it comes in a hadith, that when the, the people and the public, they start becoming disobedient to Allah, then Allah sends such rulers over them that will beat them down and do oppression on them. So sometimes we see what's happening in Syria. Sometimes we see what's happening in Afghanistan. Sometimes we see what's happening. Why are, the, why are the, the, the people getting beat down? Why are the people getting tortured? Why are the people... Are the people obeying Allah? So when you don't obey Allah, Allah will send such a ruler over you that will do a oppression to you so that you realize. So try to be just and try to follow the commandments of Allah and... Inshallah, Allah Ta'ala, through that, the, the rulers will also come right. Ek hadith mein ye mazmoon aya hai. Number three. Agar hakim se aram ponche, uske saath ehsan ki shukur guzari kare. If a hakim has benefited you in any way, then you should be thankful to the good that has reached you from that, that, from that ruler, from that leader. Just for the sake of your own desires, you should not rebel against that leader. Just for the sake of your own nafsaniyat, you should not rebel against that leader. Like what? I don't like this leader. Why? He's just not cool. I want to be the leader. Just for the sake of your own like fun or the sake of your own desire, you should not rebel against it. Against him. Or Jaha Gulam Pai Jateho Gulamoka Nan Nafaka B Wajib He. And as far as, for example, slaves are concerned or servants of are concerned, the food and the caretaking of those slaves are also wajib upon you. You have to take care of them. That is why some people say, How can Islam allow slavery? Some people complain. But if you look at the rights that Allah has made binding, they're like your children. They're, they're, they're like a responsibility for you. If you really knew what the rights of a slave are, you wouldn't even want to keep a slave. You have to feed them, you have to clothe them, you have to give them shelter. That's not like how slaves were kept here. Because when we think of slaves, we think about transatlantic slavery that these white men, they brought Africans from Africa here to this country and they beat them down and they disgraced them how they did. Many of them were Muslims. That, is, that wasn't slavery in Islam. Slavery in Islam was like servants. They were servants. They had rights. They would be kept as family. They had they, shelter, food, water, everything you have to provide for them. And they would just do khidmah. They were khadims in actuality. So it says, look at the rights. That if you have a slave, then, that the food and the drink and the, and the uh, caretaking of the ghulam is wajib upon you. It's not like if you feel like it, you do it. Or ghulam ko uski khidmat chor kar bhagna haram hai. And for the, uh, for the uh, slave to run away from his master is haram. Baqi mahkumin azad hai. Daire hukumat mein rehne tak hukuk honge aur kharij honne ke baad har waqt mukhtar hai. And the mahkumin, they're free. So if they are under, for example, uh, I give you an example. You're in USA, right? So the rights that the president has over us or the rights that the law has over us is only within the vicinity 
of America. As soon as I go off in Mexico, he doesn't have any right upon me. Shut up, and it's also like that. As soon as I go to Canada, he doesn't have any rights over me. Meaning he can't claim rights over me when I'm to another place, when I've gone to another, uh, outside of his vicinity of power. So, Surali Azizon ke hukuk, the rights of the in laws. Quran Majid me hak ta'ala ke nasab ke saat ilaka musaharat ka bi zikr farmaya. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when he mentions nasab, meaning your lineage which goes back to your parents, Allah ta'ala also mentions musaharat, which is your in laws. Your in laws also have rights upon you, shara'an. اس سے معلوم ہوا کہ ساس اور سوسر اور سالے اور بہنوی اور داماد اور بہو اور ربیب یعنی بیوی کے پھلی اولاد پہلی اولاد کا بھی کسی قدر حق ہوتا ہے سو فرام دس وی انڈرسٹینڈ دیٹ دا مدر ان لا اینڈ دا فادر ان لا اینڈ دا بردر ان لا اینڈ دا Damad, which is your, your son-in-law, Bahu, your daughter-in-law, Rabib, meaning your wife's first child, right? Yani biwi ki pehli awlad. Rabib, meaning that maybe you married a woman and she had a child that she brought up. Kisi qadr haq hota hai. Because Allah mentions, وَجَعَلَ لَكُمْ نَسَبًا وَسِحْرًا Allah has given you nasab and Allah has given you sihr. Sihr means in-laws. So from that, we understand that they do have some rights because Allah has mentioned them in the Qur'an. Isliye un ta'allukat mein bhi riayat-e-ihsan akhlaq ki kisi qadr khususiyat ke saath rakhna chahiye. So, because of this, there should be some relationship that you keep with them, a relationship of ihsan and akhlaq, a relationship of respect and character, we should keep to a certain extent. May Allah Ta'ala give us tawfiq to implement this. This book is inshallah is going to be translated soon. Mawlana Muhammad Chaudhary Rahmatullah Alayhi. Allah's mercy be on him also. He's working on it inshallah. So we're doing many of the books of Hakimul Ummat, all the, all the books that come in his Islai Nisab, right? Hukuq al-Islam, and Adab al-Mu'ashirat and Furul Iman and Hayatul Muslimin. Inshallah, that's going to be translated soon and published. So there's, we have various people working on that. And we have one brother, Maulana Muhammad, who's actually translating this. Inshallah, make dua that that finishes. And then we will definitely give everybody this. We should read it and we should learn it. This is something where it's just a list. You just have to know what it is and fulfill that. A lot of people say, why is this happening to me? Have you heard? Sometimes musibat comes on families, problems come to people. Musibat nazil mein Why did Allah Taala bring bala on top of us? You don't know. Maybe people are not fulfilling their hukuk. A lot of times, Allah sends down azab. Allah Taala sends down musibat because we're not fulfilling our rights. One time, and I'll show you an example that how Allah Taala will hold back His blessings. When a person is not fulfilling rights. One time, every, every day after Asr, Hakim al-Ummat, rahmatullahi he used to write Tafsir Bayan al-Quran. And this was his general tartib. It was a general ma'mul. 
So what happened was that one day he sat down and when he would sit down and his pen would just flow. But one day he sat and he's completely writer's block. Nothing is coming to his mind. He's trying to write. He's trying to think. And he's completely blank. He said, Ya Allah, what's happening to me? And he, this would never ever happen to him. And he's completely blanked out. He's completely writer's block. All he's seeing is lights. All he's seeing is stars. Nothing else. So he became very, very sad. And he got up. He made wudu. He performed two rakat salat. And when he went down in sajda, he realized that from, from tahajjud time all the way till that asr, the chickens that he was keeping inside of the coop, they were not fed that day. That's a thought that came in his mind. He quickly, as soon as he finished his namaz, he quickly went and he put the grain in front of the chickens and the chickens started to eat. They had not eaten the entire day. They were suffering inside of the cage. As soon as Hazrat came back to start writing, his pen was flowing with writing again. And then Hakim al-Ummat, rahmatullah after this incident, he gave a bayan on huquq al-ibad. And he said, this is what happens to a person when you don't fulfill the right of a chicken. This is what will happen to you. Allah can take away his blessings. Allah can take away his ni'mat. The ni'mat of ilm can be taken away from you when you don't fulfill the right of a chicken. How do you think that other ni'mats, ni'mat of afiyat, ni'mat of sihat, ni'mat of, 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 of life, ni'mat of sight, ni'mat of, of, of good health, how can Allah not take that away when you're messing up with somebody's rights? See where those rights are. May Allah give us the understanding and save us from becoming deprived. Wa akhiru da'wana alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.